When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to my old high school teammate, Stephen Fahey. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him if you watch my YouTube videos. He's pretty legendary. He ran at Stanford, and now he is going to run professionally. So stay tuned for this episode. Right, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, give the fellas a little rundown of who you are? Yeah, thanks for having me, Emma. Um, I'm Stephen Fahey. Um, I was teammates with Emma at La Costa Canyon High School, and I ran cross-country and track at Stanford University, graduated about a year ago, and I now live and train in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, just kind of chasing the running dream and living it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's soon, it's been a while since even you and I have talked. Um, so yeah, you graduated from Stanford. You, you ended up taking a six year though. Uh, just for cross country. Oh, just cross country. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, why you stayed a six year? Cause that's a little bit unheard of in the running world. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit more heard of now with all the uh, eligibility that people are getting back. Um, after the the canceled COVID season but before that it was definitely less of a common thing and it wasn't really something that I thought was even a possibility up until maybe May of my fifth year. Uh, I knew all along that I wanted to take a fifth year and we'd planned for that pretty much from the beginning of my uh, time at Stanford but um, I had an extra season of cross country because I missed out on the 2018 cross country season which I was really bummed about because I felt pretty good about our chances as a team going into that season and my chances individually of uh, running well for us. And so it was tough to miss out on that season, but we just kind of looked past it and tried to get back in shape for the track season in 2019. And um, that season was going really well. And around March or so, um, Coach Miltonberg at Stanford came up to me and brought up the idea to me. And I, I almost didn't really think it was possible um, in part because I didn't think that I would get the eligibility back, but also because I wasn't going to be in school anymore. I actually wasn't even in school at that time. I was already done with all my classes and everything. So <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was surprised that that was even a prospect, but we looked around and kind of scrambled to try to find a program that I could apply to very last minute. And um, thankfully, I was, I was able to get in one um, and was able to 
get that eligibility approved for the fall, which was cool. And um, it was it was a big decision to make because I kind of had to decide where I wanted to go with my running career and everything too. And whether I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to pursue professional running, but I wanted to kind of put that on hold for a little bit to kind of chase that one last cross country season in the fall. And so, um, yeah, made that call and probably like, June, July is like when all that stuff got finalized and then uh, really quickly kind of turned around to have one more extra little season at Stanford. So it was fun. It's definitely not something I ever first saw happening, um, but I, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, that's good to hear. It's, it's just crazy because I feel like I graduated so long ago and you like just graduated from the NCAA, which is kind of crazy to, oh, <laughs> to yeah. think about we're the same high school graduating class. No, I know. I kind of loved it. I felt like I was the old man on the team and like <laughs> I was teammates with my little sister who I've like never even overlapped with in school ever. Yeah. And, and like my baby sister. And so it was super weird, like being on the team with her and everything. And um, yeah, I mean, it was really funny, like talking to freshmen and being like, oh, yeah, when I was when I started college in 2014, you were in like seventh grade. <laughs> all these people that were born in the 2000s it was weird man but um yeah it, I just kind of like learned to laugh about it and just like it's just it was just kind of funny how long I'd spent at Stanford and I definitely knew I was ready to leave by the time uh that cross-country season <laughs> finished because I'd been there for a while but um but I was glad I came back and it was it was a cool experience yeah I mean by that time all your teammates that you had been with for the last four years are gone so it's like yeah it's like a whole new team. Yeah, you really are the old man on the team. But that's crazy that you overlap with Kristen. I kind of forgot about that. Because in my mind, she's so young. Because she was never on the high school team with us or anything. Right. So yeah, I mean, you and I were in the same class from like 2010 to 2014 at LCC. And I feel like we left. And then there was a whole another era on the on that high school team before she even really came in. I know. Like, I feel like by the time she was around, I didn't even really know who anybody else in high school even was anymore. And like um, following her like high school career just like seemed like a completely different team than the one we were on. So it was super bizarre that we ended up being on the same team for a little bit and traveling to some meets together. But um, that was just kind of like another little added perk for the parents for sure to, to get yeah. the idea of <laughs> staying in college for longer and putting off my professional life whatever that was going to be so uh they were pretty excited about it and uh it was cool but yeah it was it was definitely a uh, a weird weird experience being uh on the team with people that were five six years younger than you yeah what was it like being on the team with your sister was there any like fighting that went on or anything or was it more like you were showing her the ropes no not really i i definitely played uh instructive big brother a little too much i think i i tried like to to really prepare her for all the different things that she was going to come into and like she's like totally just like a chill person who's just like oh I'm just gonna kind of play it by ear and let things happen as they're going to and like she totally just kind of wanted to like go with the flow and everything and you know <laughs> here I'm like trying to like show her how all this stuff works and like getting on her about doing things you know like a certain way that I've been trained to do over the course of the last five years of my life and so like I feel like I was the one that was like playing parent sometimes but she like handled her freshman year so well especially with the coaching change and everything coming in with coaches that she hadn't even been recruited by and um I think that you know I having been in that place for five years was very stuck in my ways about the way I wanted certain things and the way I saw uh you know how things should be and I think she was just like way more open as somebody coming in to just kind of like 
kind of just going with it. And I admire that. And that's pretty much the opposite of how I was coming in as a freshman. So it was, <laughs> it was cool to see, but no, no fighting. Definitely, uh, you know, watching out, making sure no boys are getting too close or anything like that. But, <laughs> uh, but other than that, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we kind of had our separate things because we had uh, separate coaches that we were working with on a day-to-day basis. So um, a little bit of like separation between the guys distance group and the girls distance group because of that, but uh, but both groups were still close. And so, you know, we obviously got a lot of time together, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents must have loved that a little two for one deal in college. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. They, we both got to go out to Terre Haute for NCAAs. And so even though both of us didn't race, it was still kind of cool to at least, at least have the whole family come watch this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of speaking on that, you have a very talented family. And I mean, I feel like your family and my family, we kind of grew up together in the running world. There was a lot of overlapping, whether that be teams or just like going to races, seeing, oh, there's the Fahey's all racing. Um, Because your older brother, Darren, also was a very competitive runner. What was it like growing up um, with like such a talented family? I know. Talk about talented families. Jeez. I mean, like you, (laughs) when was the first time that we were at a race together? Like, 20, 2003 or 2004? When did you start with Roadrunners? I started, I think, Roadrunners wasn't until like 2006, I think for me. But then okay. like the Junior Carlshead stuff was happening a lot before that. Yeah, so. I feel like I we, we were at least aware of who each other was as early as like 05 or 06 or something like that. Um, and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we've just been around running for such a long time because of that. It's always kind of been a family thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like my uh, older brother, Darren, was uh, he was two years older than me and I kind of followed in his footsteps with everything. If he, if he played baseball when we were young, I was going to play baseball. If he played soccer, then I was going to play soccer. And when he got into running, he was kind of the one who laid the groundwork, but he was also way better than me uh, at each <laughs> age. And I mean, you talk about the junior Carlsbad. So both of our families did that, like, you know, local mile race every year and he pretty much set the record for like every age group up, up the ladder. And then (laughs) years later, I would always get to compare myself to him and be like, Oh man, he ran what when he was 10. So um, I kind of always had him to compare myself to, which was cool in that I was, you know, really competitive, but also wasn't always a great thing for me as a developing runner, because it was hard for me to have that patience to be like, all right, like it'll come as long as you just like, have fun with it and enjoy it. I feel like I was kind of always like, oh man, like, well, Darren was this good at this age. So like, I've got to do that. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it was really cool being teammates with him in high school. And we had some, some good teams at LCC that were, you know, built around us and a couple other guys that, you know, were good friends with both of us. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely an important part of my development, especially early in high school to kind of learn how to cope with, being my own runner and not always just kind of comparing myself to him or trying to follow directly in his footsteps. And I feel like I actually kind of found more success at the end of high school when he was gone. And I kind of was able to let go of that a little bit. Definitely. Um, Yeah. We, we developed at different rates and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that the more that I could just like be my own person and kind of be like, all right, like I'm just going to do my own thing. And it doesn't matter if I'm not doing all the stuff that he did, like the more I was able to kind of just like enjoy running for, other purposes, I guess, and just distract myself from it. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I feel like 
honestly, watching your career over time, I feel like you have to be one of the most improved runners I've ever seen. Not that you were ever not like good at running, but just watching you from when we were racing in middle school <laughs> together to like you winning NCAAs. I don't know. It's just been a really cool progression to see. And when you come from a family that's so good, it can be hard, like you said, to like compare when you're comparing yourself to your older brother who was setting records. So I feel like you've just done a really good job mentally being able to progress at your own rate. And it's like really proven in college. So what do you think is the key to longevity in running for you? Well, first of all, I'm flattered. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely been a lot of peaks and valleys, uh, not, in, not only just like in high school and in college, obviously, but like even when I was like way younger, and I didn't even really know what I was doing with running. I felt like, you know, as you can probably relate to, sometimes you kind of feel like you're just being dragged out to these meets because your family is just like a running family. And <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So like my brother, I feel like was always like the stud at every age. And like, he was just such a natural competitor that like he was going to win, like no matter where he went. But I had to like really learn, I think, how to kind of like channel my competitiveness and kind of like refine you know, the craft of like racing and competing the right way. And, and I think I had to relearn that so many times. I mean, I think that like, you know, when I started running, I wasn't really that good. Uh, like, you know, going to nationals, even when I was like a little kid, I definitely remember getting like a hundred something the year that my brother won and being like, Oh wow. Came all the way to Chicago. And like, <laughs> I think I just got beat by a hundred people in this race. Like, wow. Um, and then, but then I would always have these like little breakthroughs and, then, you know, same thing, like in high school, like I, you know, definitely got like destroyed my freshman year of high school and, <laughs> you know, and then had to kind of figure out how to like navigate my way through it. And I think like one of the things that helped me with that was just like making it be about being part of a team. And I think I was lucky that I came into our high school team and had the fact that like I was our fourth or fifth runner to kind of distract me from any pressure that I put on myself. And like, I think that that helped me to improve a lot, just like the excitement that came with trying to just like be a part of something bigger than yourself and like go score. And I mean, you know, as you probably remember, like we had some teams that um, at La Costa Canyon were fighting for section championships and state championships and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, being able to just like kind of try to be a part of that was, was I would say a big part of that. Um, and then the other thing is just, you know, like in college, especially, you know, coming into Stanford where my first year or two years, even I, was probably one of the slower guys on the team, like coming in with a lot of other guys that were really good. And as you probably saw, I mean, you know, we were in the Pac-12 together for a couple of years, like, yeah, you know, kind of just getting getting destroyed out there in some in some races, and like, <laughs> kind of destroyed. Getting, I don't remember oh, you getting man. destroyed. I think my my sophomore year, which would have been like redshirt freshman year, first year of racing in in the jersey at Stanford. I think I was. 200 something that wisco somewhere in the 200 oh. which i couldn't even i couldn't even believe that, that like that i could would ever finish that far back in a race but um and then i think like 66 at pack 12s which it's it's like an 80 man field so it's that's not that good um and, but you know but i i just got a lot of experience with that um without my coach or my teammates giving up on me and like they you know always knew that i was going to be a guy that could contribute and if I could just focus on being the best teammate that I could and uh just trying to be solid every day instead of having to put a lot of pressure on myself to like go do anything special um like I that was kind of what got me over the hump 
mentally, as you were saying, to try to figure out how to do this and, you know, how to like be able to just like consistently compete as, as well as I could on the day instead of having to try to fulfill some expectation that I had for myself or that my family might have for me or, you know, whatever. And so then over time, I feel like I just kind of chipped away at it by just trying to have tunnel vision a little bit. And, you know, before I knew it, I was running at a level that I never had before. And as long as I could let that not scare me and just continue to be excited about that and just, you know, focus on, um, you know, my team and my coach and what we were doing and not anything else. Like, I think I just kind of like slowly saw myself get better and better and just like have more fun than I was ever having with the sport before by the end of college. So, um, I mean, I think that the way I did it is the most fun way to do it. And <laughs> I think <laughs> definitely, it, it, it certainly makes for a fun like story, but at the same time also, like, I, I think I learned a lot that I could teach, you know, some of my younger teammates about like development and like the way that we tried to develop runners at Stanford in our program, which was cool. Yeah. I think the biggest improvement I saw from you, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't remember you getting 200th at Wisco or anything. I don't know. I don't know. But then I remember, was it my senior year? I don't know. There was one year at Pac-12. I think it was my senior year, 2017, where I saw you coming into the, like you were in the front pack, which I was like, oh, Steven's in the front pack. Like no surprise there. But I think you ended up getting like third or fourth. What did you get at that cross country um, Pac-12s in Springfield? Uh, that was the one you guys hosted? Yeah. Um, yeah. Third. I, yeah. I was third that year. Uh, Alex I remember, and I, yeah, finished like right next to each other, three, four. Yeah. I remember, I think it was Joe Klecker too. I don't know. Someone like you were competing against someone going into the finish shoot. And I like, I've never been so excited in my life to see you do so well. And I feel like that was the first time for me to see you like really running with the big dogs, I guess. And I, it was very, I admired it a lot because I feel like to step up to that level, it takes a lot of guts and like not bravery I don't know but it's just like a whole new level of competing like the NCAA division one is already so hard but then when you step up to like put yourself in the position to get third at Pac-12s and cross country it's just a whole new level of racing so I feel like that's when I first saw you really like grow into the runner that you are today and eventually going to win an NCAA title so I don't know I don't know when your like first breakout moment was but do you have one that sticks out in your mind yeah I mean I think that a lot of people see that race as like kind of somewhat of a quote-unquote breakthrough for me because I hadn't really placed that highly in any race in cross country or track before that um but I think that like the big thing that we always tried to drive home with our team at Stanford was that like breakthroughs aren't really a thing if you're like following our process the right way and that like really my coach and my teammates saw me as somebody who was capable of doing something like that already and it kind of came from just like a lot of years of like slowly accumulating training and getting fit and I think that we like knew coming into that season that I was going to be capable of doing something like that as long as I could trust that like I was capable of it and you know I think that like that you know the the track season before that I was, I had gotten into super good shape and was ready to go really do something big during the indoor and outdoor season in 2017 before getting hurt. And so I think that like that kind of delayed what was going to be the quote unquote breakthrough. Um, But then I, you know, got healthy that summer and, you know, got compared, got prepared for like a really good cross season during my senior year. And then, yeah, like the first couple of the races of the season, I feel like I definitely like didn't place that high up, but I think that my coaches knew where 
we were headed and where I could be uh, once I got into really good shape. And I mean, I think, you know, we saw and knew what the numbers meant in practice and everything. And like, you know, we, yeah. I think that my coach always knew from a long way out that I could be up there. But I think that like the big thing really for me, like wasn't having like some physical breakthrough where all of a sudden I just got really good in a couple of weeks. It was more of just like, <laughs> you know, like, like at every, like every athlete has, you know, that kind of mental breakthrough of just knowing like that you belong there and letting yourself, um, you know, kind of take that risk and, and go, you know, not get in your own way, I guess. Um, and so, yeah. And I think that, you know, having a scenario like a PAC 12 championship where I'm running with my teammates and, you know, just trying to do the best that I can to help us win is like a great way to break through that kind of thing. And in that particular instance, I think we were competing with Colorado to try to win our first PAC 12 championship, um, since the formation of the PAC 12, because, Colorado had won every year since it changed from the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. And so we finally got it done that year. And like, you know, the, the one, three, four finish with me, Grant and Alex definitely like helped that get that started. You know, obviously we couldn't have done it without our four and five guy running super well that day too, because it was a really tight race. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that race, I, I at no point was thinking I was going to get third. I was just thinking like, all right, like just try to stay relaxed and, you know, execute my race plan, uh, as we've talked about and, uh, just like try to build the whole time. And, you know, all of a sudden the, like the front group whittled down from like, I think like eight guys to six guys to all of a sudden we've got like, you know, four or five dudes running for it at the end. And I was just like, all right, like got to get as many points as I can, like, you know, get in front of as many dudes as I can. And I don't think I realized in the moment, like what that was going to be, but at the same time, once (laughs) I, once I did have that, it like gave me the confidence to go deliver, you know, in the next few weeks of the cross country season. And, you know, when you string together a couple of good performances, you start to realize like, all right, like I'm definitely capable of, you know, doing this every time. And you kind of figure out what you need to do mentally, uh, you know, both in the races and in preparing for the races to like, you know, give yourself the confidence that you need to go execute. And like, I think I just needed, um, you know, a couple of like good performances to, remind me you know that I was capable of that but I think my coaches would tell you like that they knew from way out that I was going to be there so um yeah I think from an outside perspective there you know you can mark certain points that are like breakthrough moments but like I felt like I kind of had that coming on throughout pretty much my whole like junior and senior year so it was cool to get those results yeah definitely and like you said it kind of it takes a couple races to where it becomes your new normal, like where you're competing at the front, I feel like. And that's what I feel like it kind of started. I mean, you said that your coaches kind of saw it coming, but I feel like Pac-12s is where it established your new normal that you're going to be one of like the top NCAA runners. And it's not like you're going to go back to being, I don't know, 200th at Wisconsin. Once you have those races, it kind of gives you the confidence to tell yourself that like that's where you belong in the front pack, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So... Talking, talking about a new normal, it takes a lot to put yourself in the front of a race at an NCAA championship, and you ended up winning the 2018 or 2019 NCAA championship in the steeplechase. Um, did you see that coming? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that like one of the things that I was the most proud of that season wasn't even really whatever I was able to run like time wise, like I really didn't run that fast of a, of a, uh, like any really fast times in the steeplechase during that season. I just kind of did what I needed to do to, you know, win all the races leading up to NCAs. 
Um, but I mean, like, you know, I had a good, good 5k earlier on that year that like gave me a lot of confidence, but even that I don't think was the thing I was the most proud of from that year. I think that what I was the most proud of was that I was able to show up at that race at nationals on the biggest stage 100%. and be a hundred percent confident that it was my race to win and that it was something that I was capable of and that I belonged there. Because I mean, I think like you were saying, like there's the, there's a new normal, you know, once you get to a certain point where it's like, I can put myself up at the front of the race, but then there's this other level, I feel like of <laughs> convincing exactly. yourself to win. I mean, like winning a race, it, it really is something that is like a learned skill beyond just the, you know, the physical having whatever it takes to win. Like, I think you also have to make a decision and a choice. And, you know, of course it's a decision that's ultimately made in the race, but really it's a kind of something that's made before, like showing it's up. A mindset. And yeah, exactly. Being like, I, I like truly believe that I can win this race and I'm going to, you know, you have to win the race in your head a hundred times before you can win it once in real life. And you have to like, if you don't believe that you're going to win a race beforehand you're never going to do it like nobody wins a race by accident so um, yeah <laughs> exactly you at least have to have some sort of belief that you can win the race yeah and I mean and so the big moment for me actually was the NCAs the year before in 2018 in Eugene where um, I came in in great shape I had been having a great season I had um, I had run uh, pretty fast at regionals even though I came in with a little cue but like I still knew that I was <laughs> I still knew that I was in in the best shape I'd ever been and I I was rolling and I was uh you know my coaches and I were saying the whole time like oh like you know you can win NCAs like this race is wide open like there's some good runners from you know some some other teams that are going to be coming in for it but like there was no like clear um you know front runner who was like expected to take it there were like a few guys like Obsa Ali and Brian Barraza who were really good runners but like I think coming in, you know, to the final, there were easily nine or 10 guys that could lay claim for being able to win. And so I think that like, I, I always told myself like I could win. Um, but, you know, really that that decision to win is something that you can't just, you know, say you have to like really believe it. And I think that yeah. I kind of came in just to that final, just being like, all right, like, you know, it was actually my first time at NCA outdoors too. And so uh, I think I just kind of came in being like, you know what, like, I'm not going to like put any crazy expectations on myself. Like I'm just going to go try to execute the same way that I have all year and see what happens. And then, you know, as it turns out, then Brian Barraza goes down with 300 to go or whatever, you know, falling over that <laughs> hurdle. And all of a sudden, you know, me and the two guys that I'm with, like we, you know, we're all of a sudden at the front of the race and it's like, Oh shoot. Like this is like kind of the moment where one of us is going to have to go take this and win it. And I think that, you know, despite all the confidence that I gained that year, I think that that moment was just a little too big for me. And even just a little hesitation there, um, you know, let Obsa get just enough ground to, to go win. And then, you know, I ended up getting third And at the time I was, you know, I was, I was really happy to be third and to run a personal best that is still actually my personal best. Um, but, um, I mean, you know, I think I, I think back a lot to that race and I think that like, something that you have to do in this sport is be able to reflect honestly with yourself about the decisions that you make and, you know, what's going on in your head and what you're afraid of. And, you know, I, I think that I just, uh, I, while I think I ran a great race up until that point, I just don't really think I did a great job at seizing that moment because I couldn't truly like get myself to believe ahead of time that I was going to win. I yeah. only got as far as I could win. 
And that was the biggest lesson that I learned, you know, coming into the next year where it's like, when I show up on that starting line, like I have to be like, no, like this, this thing is mine. And like, I know I can win this. And like, I think ultimately the thing I was the most proud of for my entire season in 2019 was just being able to be there with a lap to go and like, know with every, like, you know, with every, with every ounce of my mind, like I'm going to win this thing. And like, that was, I think like that was the biggest victory. If you were to talk to my coaches who had watched me develop all the way throughout college from like a pretty scared freshman and sophomore who like, you know, couldn't really overcome his own little demons to, you know, being a fifth year racing for a national championship, like having that mental breakthrough is like, was a way bigger thing for me than any, you know, like physical jump that I made throughout college. And so like, um, it was, it was big to be able to get that. And I think that, uh, like that's ultimately what helped me overcome the events that were to come (laughs) in the, in the final 200 meters of that race. Yeah. And I think it, I think honestly, like the mental progression is a lot harder than the physical progression in college because the physical all you need to do really is show up every single day do the work and then go home eat right and sleep and if you follow that like you're going to get better but I think like you said it's 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 hard to like will yourself to be able to compete at that next level and like you said it took years for you to be able to believe that you can even win and it's it's easy to like tell yourself that oh I I think I can win this race but it's it's hard to get yourself to actually believe it and put it into action um like you said during that 2018 race like I don't know the Obsa Ali was did he win yeah so Obsa won in 2018 uh, yeah yeah so the problem, the difference between you guys that day probably wasn't fitness because you guys were both extremely fit, but he probably had told himself and believed that he was going to win and he had the chance to win while you said, oh, I could win. I feel like that is at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of mental, I don't know, mental stamina, I guess, um, that kind of distinguishes the best runners from the really, really good ones at that yeah. level. Well, and it's just like, it's a level of honesty with yourself. That's really hard to have, even if you really love running and training. And I feel like there's a lot of guys that, that love to love to run and that are really good at getting fit and, you know, maybe like competing, like they like putting on the Jersey and they like getting out there and and going for it, but they are not willing to really be honest with themselves about what they're afraid of and what's getting in their way from being better. And it's a hard thing to do. And like, you know, during some of those races after, you know, my freshman or sophomore year when I was pretty beat down and like, you already feel bad from having a bad race. But on top of that, like, you know, you're in your coach's office later or you're you know on your own afterwards. And, and you really have to like look into yourself and you can either decide to just brush it off and ignore it and be like, ah, you know, it's, it's fine. I'll get them next time. Or like, yeah, or give an excuse. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or give an excuse or give like a halfway honest thing where it's like, Oh, I made a tactical error or like, Oh, you know, I just wasn't tough enough on the day or something like that. But like, it's, it's really hard. And, and sometimes like, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit of like a rude awakening to have to have that honest conversation with yourself. And it's really something you can only have with yourself about like, all right, like, what am I really afraid of? Like, what is really holding me back? And like, how do I actually practice this? And a lot of times, like what it means is like, you're going to have to kind of figure out what some of these like demons that you have are, whatever they might be that are, you know, kind of limiting you and 
in your race or before you even toe the line or whatever it might be. And, you know, sometimes it means like then in some workouts, you have to do some visualization and put yourself in some places that you're really uncomfortable with. Uh, and if you avoid that stuff, you're just never going to be able to address it. And you're going to keep having the same pitfalls over and over again. But it's just like amazing what I feel like I was able to discover about myself just from having some honest reflection and like, you know, have that little bit of, um, you know, time to be like, all right, like I actually want to try to fix myself and like really look into myself. And then, you know, it, it was just, it was cool to see like what you could unlock when you could just be totally honest with yourself and say like, yeah, like I'm afraid of, you know, getting into this moment and like, this is why. And, uh, I think that knowing that like I really needed to be there for my team in cross country and, you know, be able to deliver for us when, uh, you know, push came to shove and, you know, a sudden lapse at NCAA cross country nationals can lose you like 30 spots in the last hundred meters. Like, <laughs> I knew I was like, I need to figure out how to make myself finish cross country races and get all the way through the line, passing dudes and like staying within myself. And I really like had trouble with that during my first couple of years. And I think that the pressure I put on myself to figure, you know, figure my stuff out so that I could like deliver for us is like what really got me to have some of those honest conversations along with working with uh, a sports psych in coach Pat Henner, who I think like helped me a lot to just kind of recognize like how to deal with some of these things and how to have those conversations. Cause it's not something that's obvious for a lot of people who don't really think about it. And yeah. I think a lot of people think that sports psychs are just for people that have anxiety or have some kind of like, you know, diagnosable, um, you know, like mental issue or something like that. But like, I really think that it's just something that like can elevate your game and you can be a good runner and still have these honest conversations with yourself that can make you just a much better runner and competitor. And um, so, I mean, I was lucky to have him as a resource and to have coach Miltonberg be a guy who thought a lot about this kind of stuff too, and helped me work through it. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I just think like there's a lot that you can unlock without actually doing any real running at all that can just make <laughs> you so much mental, better. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's cool. And it, it's not necessarily, I think a lot of people think that if somebody has mental problems, it's because like they're a quote unquote head case or something like that, or it's just like they give up in races or they just like, they don't want to try or they're like a wuss or something like that. But I think there's a lot of dudes that you see that seem like they run really hard and are like reaching their like quote unquote limits or whatever. But really it's just like, they're not able to figure out how to like maintain control and um, just kind of like be completely in control of their own uh, like effort level and intensity yeah. throughout the course of a race and being able to like manage your intensity and calm yourself down in the moments where it gets really hard or where you get the most uncomfortable and being able to have certain affirmations to tell yourself that you know are going to get you through it and being able to rehearse those kinds of things through visualization and in workouts and things like that even when a workout doesn't feel as hard as a race um, the better you can get at figuring out how to put yourself in those places and practice those kinds of things, like the, the better you can be. And like, there's just like an unlimited amount of stuff that you can unlock from that. And it's, it's just cool to figure out how much better you can, you can get through that kind of stuff. Um, you know, obviously everybody does the training, but there's a lot of extra stuff that you can do, uh, even if you don't consider yourself as like a head case or something like that. Exactly. And I would never consider myself a head case. Like I was never one to get super nervous or 
like psych myself out or give up during races. But I feel like, just like you said, like there's just so much that you can do in your own head that I even discovered in college that like took me to new levels of running that I didn't even think were possible. Um, just by like believing in yourself and getting over like the things that are holding you back that you didn't even necessarily know that were holding you back. Um, like in high school, I think for me, I thought like breaking 450 was like the biggest barrier ever. And then once I did it, it was like, it was great and all, but then I realized how much like new potential I had just by like setting new limits for myself. Because once I broke 450, then 440 became the new goal. And I don't know, it was just, it was a lot of mental training I did for myself in college. And yes, the physical training was hard, but I feel like by kind of changing my new normal for what I don't know what was expected of me, even in my own head. Um, it just kind of took me to new levels of running. And it's, it's weird because I feel like in high school, I don't know about you, but like, I never really thought about like the inner workings of my head in a race. Like I, I just went out there on the day, like tried as hard as I could. And then the race was over and then I move on to the next one. But I feel like in college is really where I learned that, like how powerful your head can be and how much you need to like understand yourself and train your brain to be able to run at the level that is top level division one running yeah well and in high school there's just a lot more room for air honestly like uh in a lot of high school races I feel like I would be winning and it really you know I could completely fall apart and still win or completely fall apart and and get sixth and maybe I'd be hard on myself but at the end of the day like you know I would get pat on the back and be like, oh, you, you ran so hard. You gave it your all or whatever, you know? And like, I, you know, could believe that I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I did. I ran really hard. I'm really tired now. (laughs) You know, or like, and then like also being in California, you know, obviously the two of us, we were running against such good runners all along that we could kind of hide behind people a little bit. Like I, some of my best races, I got like eighth at Arcadia or something like 100%, that. 100%. percent you know, or like my like all of my personal bests from high school were not in wins. They were in 100%. races where I just ran behind somebody and ran a fast time and then afterwards again got a bunch of pat on the backs being like, "Wow, you did so well. That's such a fast time." <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, I mean that's great, but like um I just think it's so cool that like my perspective changed so much from, you know, being around a lot of my college teammates and coaches to where like now even on the professional level I feel like I just like look at competing and actually like you know being in it for the right reasons and showing up on a starting line expecting to win no matter who you're racing against um you know in I I just feel like I I have such a different approach to it than I did when I was in high school and like I just wanted to run fast and you know maybe help our team win and yeah uh, I mean yeah I think that that comes with just like being around a lot of the right people and you know being able to learn from some of them yeah. And I feel like it was just a lot easier to win in high school. I don't know. There were just a lot more races. The races were a lot more local. So winning for you and I was like pretty normal. I don't know. It was just kind of yeah. expected not to be like in a cocky way, but it was just kind of to be expected. And then you go to college and that kind of all gets taken away from you <laughs> because then all of a sudden you're getting 200th uh, <laughs> at Wisconsin. You're like, or even if like I would get a hundredth in a cross country race, like at pre-nats my freshman year. Um, and I would be like, oh, that was like, okay. I don't know. And, and then you just kind of have to overcome that hurdle again. But it's a lot harder to be able to like be winning these NCAA races. And especially for you now, like the professional races. It's very hard to win a professional race. It's not like high school at all. 
Yeah, I know. Well, those middle school miles over at uh, Carmel Valley High School, those were never easy to win. Uh, they were... <laughs> I, I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably watched Emma's videos and you've probably watched that video. So I'm sure they have because that video has like half a million views for some reason. It's I think it's still my most viewed video ever. It is. It's, what a cringe. Um, yeah. But <laughs> cringe yeah. for you. I feel like I looked pretty legit yeah, in it. You but... pretty good. Yeah. You really almost had me there in the last uh, like six hundo. I, I don't, I had to really put the jets on looking flawless <laughs> down the home stretch. Um, your form too. It was just so oh, funny because like man. your jersey was falling off your shoulder yeah. Your head was going back and forth. And like my feet just like weren't the right size for my body. And I couldn't, didn't understand how to use my arms. And yeah. It, <laughs> it was, was so much looking back to. Yeah. I just remember that. I remember that fairly well. And your mom would be like, oh my gosh, Steven hates racing you. I just remember her always telling me that. Yeah. You, you got to love just like the, yeah, the honest, you know, spirit of competition that comes with the being in middle school and just showing up to a race, not wanting to get beat by the girl. It, yeah. it, there, was, there was no fun about it. I, I just <laughs> sat the whole day in class in middle school being like, man, I hope I don't get beat by Emma today. <laughs> That's so funny. Just it to was, look back on yeah, my goodness. Oh, man, and you just breathe a sigh of relief after you cross the line and you're like, all right, thank goodness. I, that one was close. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, nothing like those middle school days. Um it, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, just search on YouTube commentating my middle school race, and I think it'll come up. Or just I honestly type in Stephen Fahey, and it'll probably come up too. Oh, man. Yeah, you'll find some great stuff if you just look up my name on YouTube. Um, yeah, there's also – oh, there's also a fun video of Stephen. I don't know if you're in elementary school or middle school, but I <laughs> – it always comes up when I go back and watch that middle school race, but there's like – Someone did some interview with Steven and he was, oh, yeah. I, I had to be like 12 years old or like even younger. You were so young and it was like on Steven's running when he was young. Oh, so it's funny. Pretty, it's pretty inspirational stuff. Yeah. You guys, in case you're looking to get inspired or it's the night before <laughs> a big race and you, uh, you want some, some big time running motivation. Yeah. You can watch that video of, uh, prepubescent me and get really <laughs> get hyped up. Um, Yeah. Some great, some great stuff out there on the internet that will never go away. So, uh, <laughs> you gotta, love you too. Oh, gotta, gotta love it. Um. Okay. Well, now moving on from college. Now you said you're training in North Carolina. You're with your old Stanford coach, Coach Miltenberg, right? Yes. So, what made you make the move out there? That's far away, Stephen, from yeah, California. It's, it's far from California. I I have lived in California all my life, coming from uh, North County, San Diego for high school to Stanford for college. So uh, if you would have told me a year ago that I would be living in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, running without a contract and, (laughs) and knowing it was the exact right place for me to be, I would have said you're crazy. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of like forewent trying to look at professional options last summer so that I could come back and do the six year at Stanford. And um, I definitely think it was the right decision for me just because, um, even though, you know, there may have been some opportunities at that time over the summer to, you know, go, go sign a deal and start training with a pro group and, you know, get ready for the trials that we expected to happen in 2020 at the time. Um, I think like my philosophy is always just like do whatever gets you the most excited to get out of bed and run every morning. And like, for me, the thought of being at Stanford and competing for a national championship in cross country and, you know, being with the boys for one last season was like the most exciting thing that I could think of and like was I thought the best way for me to just like get better by virtue of 
being so excited about what I was doing and having so much enthusiasm every day with the training that went into it. And so I did it and I went back for that sixth year. And so, you know, even though things didn't go the way that, you know, we had dreamed up, maybe, um, I still have no regrets for going back and doing that. Um, but part of it was, you know, when you finish cross country in November, you know, then you kind of got to start looking into, um, trying to figure out, you know, what the next option, you know, option is for professional running. And, um, you know, so there were, there were a couple of different groups that I was considering, you know, going to, and I, um, have been working with, uh, an agent, Tom Ratcliffe and Alistair Craig with Kimbia, uh, and they've been like awesome resources for me as I've like navigated this and everything. And like, um, we had like a couple of different options that we were looking into. Um, but in the meantime, I just went out to Chapel Hill, like right after Christmas to start training with coach Mill and just kind of like, uh, live out there in Chapel Hill in for what I thought was just going to be like a little interim, uh, training camp before I kind of figured out what my next move was going to be. I kind of figured like, Oh, I'll just pop over there and like, you know, stay out there for a little bit and, you know, get to use some facilities out at UNC and, um, kind of do a little winter training camp just so I could have some structure while I kind of figured out my next move, uh, like right after I finished school. And then, uh, I got out there and I just loved it. And I just, I thought that like the training, you know, out here in, in Chapel Hill and like the greater triangle area between like Umstead Park and American Tobacco Trail, like it provides just like some of the best running spots I've, I've ever seen. And like, um, I also just realized like the enthusiasm that coach Milt had for trying to kind of continue to get me ready for the next level was just like something that I really valued. And I'm an athlete that really likes to be coached and to have a coach that likes to really put energy into the day-to-day stuff. And, um, coach Sorensen, who was my assistant coach at Stanford for my senior year and my fifth year is also out here. And he's like another guy that's just like a great resource for me. And, um, you know, just has like put a lot of energy into my development, like throughout college, but then also, you know, in, in my professional interests and everything. And the more I was out here, the more I kind of realized, like, I really, I want to be in a place where I feel like I'm the most supported, um, even if it means that I'm not going to be making money right away, because I'm not doing this just to like be a pro for a little bit and get a little, you know, pro stipend and, you know, just kind of live somewhere and make Instagram posts. Like I'm doing this because I really <laughs> wanna, like, I want to see how good I can be. And I, and I want to try to go compete for world championship and Olympic teams. And like, I want to really have a career and, um, you know, do it all the way from, you know, steeplechase to 5k to run it on the roads and, you know, just kind of discover what my potential is and, uh, kind of continue to chase that feeling that I had last track season and, you know, see myself as a guy who can, you know, go compete with the best of them at any level. And I just kind of realized like, yeah, there are some great groups out there, you know, between Bowerman or OTC or whatever that have some of the, you know, the best guys in the country. And obviously when I get to that level, I would love to, you know, be able to go join one of those groups and train with them. But in the meantime, like I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. And that as long as I just continue to have that enthusiasm to get out of bed and train every day and, and be loving it, uh, wherever I am that like, you know, the sponsorships and all that stuff will come. And so, you know, we have plans that, are still in the works with, with Tom and Alistair for how I'm going to be able to support myself. But I'm not really worried about that as much right now as just like, you know, making sure that I have the right training environment for me to try to keep getting better. And, um, over the last, you know, several months, I feel like I've just like kind of gotten into a really nice rhythm behind the scenes with, you know, no races and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
and that's kind of how I ended up here. And that's, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> I'm still here now. And I, I kind of don't really plan to leave anytime soon. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's a good place to be. And um, I'm glad that you're settled and you're finding your groove because obviously there's no races going on right now. There's not a lot of money right now going on in the running scene, I feel like. So just being able to train and feel confident in your training and getting better every day, I feel like that's really the most ideal situation that you could be right now. So that's good to hear. And I'm sure everyone listening is proud of you for making that decision and is excited to see what you're going to do in the future. Yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, definitely shout out to mom and dad for not freaking out that their son (laughs) graduated from a private school and decided to put his degree aside and go run for no money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, the degree will always be there. Yeah, exactly. The degree is always there. I know that, you know, someday I'm not going to be able to run anymore and I will have to work like the rest of the folk in America. But for now, while I still have (laughs) my youth and my enthusiasm for the sport, I, uh, <laughs> I'd rather just go all in on it. So I, I really didn't have any interest at like getting a side job and, uh, running on the side. Like I really wanted to go all in regardless. And, you know, I, I still have, um, you know, a lot of optimism that we're going to be able to, uh, have like a long-term contract worked out once, you know, money is available again. And that like, there will be a place for me in the professional running world. And I don't, Uh, I'm not worried about that, but I, you know, for right now, like all that is really important is just that like, I am in a situation where I like what I'm doing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with where I am and I'm happy with how training is going and everything. And, uh, yeah, I have, I definitely have no regrets there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been awesome so far. (laughs) Awesome to hear. Well, to wrap up this episode, um, do you have like a life motto that you live by? I feel like you're one of those people that has like a quote printed on their wall or something that oh, you look man. at every day. Oh, uh, what if I just like hit you with like a Steve Prefontaine quote or something right now? Oh, give it, give it to me. Hit it <laughs> no, with I'm me, Steven. Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, like there are several different like things that I think about. Like, I mean, I feel like one of the things, like my mantra last track season when I was trying to like figure out how to actually like pass that last little barrier to win a race was like you you can't beat someone without passing them and like you can't (laughs) you can't win a race without taking the lead and like it sounds like such an obvious thing but like if you don't actually like act on it like if you don't actually put yourself there physically like it it won't happen that was like Mm -hmm. a little thing that I think about but I I guess like in general that just kind of like goes to the greater point of just like trust yourself and um, like, you know, have confidence that what you're doing is, is exactly what you need to be doing. And, um, you know, like put faith in, in your own process. That's not really a very good mantra that it's not something you would put on a card, I guess, but, um, no, it's, it's good. It's like putting yourself in the position to actually like succeed. Yeah, that was, yeah. It's just like, like little things like that are feel like were things that guided me. I feel like the more, um, simple and, um, just kind of like sentient points I could make the the better the better it was I I didn't really feel like something super abstract was something that worked for (laughs) me but just like having like just like little altruisms like that um are are things that I I don't know I think like kind of inspire me when I think about um like kind of what's helped me the most over the last several years but um but ultimately yeah it just it, it comes down to just like trusting yourself betting on yourself and like believing that you're doing exactly what you need to be doing 
Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Stephen. Where can people follow you if you want to be followed? Oh my gosh, this is the big moment. Um, yeah, this I, is your vlog, Stephen. Go, uh, yeah, go for right, it. Here we go. I'm on Instagram at Stephen C. Fahey. That's Stephen with a V. Uh, C-A-H-Y. Uh, Twitter with the same handle, at Stephen C. Fahey. Um, and you can email me at Stephen C. Fahey at gmail.com <laughs> or other inquiries. Um, yeah. For business but, inquiries. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you can follow me on Strava, too. I'm on Strava now. Uh, I love Strava. It's super fun. Um, I don't, oh. I don't post a lot of my big workouts, but I, I love posting my Wednesday runs, run slow Wednesday. It's a new trend I'm coming up with. Oh, but, I have seen that on Instagram. Yeah, it's my post-workout, uh, nice chill Wednesday run, uh, which has become an important part of my training and routine. Um, but yeah, no love and Strava so far. It's really fun. I hope that they can give me the little, little pro badge. Um, <laughs> they, they have not given me that yet, but it's fine. I haven't raced. You just got to keep grinding, Steven. Keep grinding on the Strava. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to keep, keep putting in solid works, log in some solid runs and, uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll get recognized there. But, um, yeah, Strava, Instagram, Twitter, I'm, I'm on it all. So go find me. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Good luck in your future endeavors. And I'm sure we will be hearing from you soon on your Instagram and your Strava and your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Emma. Uh, pleasure to be on the podcast. My first podcast ever. Um, wow. Which- I'm honored. <laughs> can wait, can we get a good old, um, peace out fellas? All right. All right, guys. Um, this has been Stephen Fahey, um, Stanford university class of 2019 La Costa Canyon class of 2014 go Mavs and peace out fellas (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of combos over cold brew with my boy Steven and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much to me if you went and rated and reviewed the podcast it helps me out a lot feel free to follow this podcast on Instagram it's just at combos over cold brew pod for updates and inspiration from our guests And I will see you guys next week. Peace out, fellas. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.